Warning, the following program features content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Bocephus Broadcast. Holy cow, boys and girls, look at that, would you? It's episode four of the Bocephus Broadcast. Welcome, glad to have you here. Another episode underway, as today we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Things are going pretty well. As of this recording, we are at 650 downloads. I know that uh, episode three, after it was released, we uh, we jumped about 150. So thank you. That's pretty impressive, right? My hope is that by the time um, episode five rolls around, we're at uh, 1,000. I don't know. Is it possible? We'll see what happens. Just keep listening. Share the, uh, share the episodes with your friends. Share the uh, podcast page with your friends. Whatever you got to do to spread the word. 650 downloads. Very impressive. You're knocking my socks off, people. Speaking of promoting the show, though, bumper stickers still available, $10 each. You can pay with cash, check, PayPal, and now Venmo. And if you're like me, or like I was, you're like, what the hell is Venmo? Sounds like the name of like a, a robot or a store in the mall or something like Sharper Image, right? So Venmo, the best way that I can describe it is like, I would call it payment sharing. Essentially, it's like PayPal, but it's more social media based. Does that make sense? And I have a lot of you to thank for figuring out what Venmo is, especially Patrick Parsons, one of my best friends who told me what Venmo is and how it's used and how I should use it so that people can more easily pay me for things. And he was right. It's super simple. So you download the app, right? You connect your bank account, your debit card or whatever you want to connect. And then you can find your friends that also use Venmo or you can invite them to use Venmo. So it's like the Facebook of banks or a banking Twitter So say you're sitting across from me right now and you're like, send me 10 bucks. Okay. So I pull up the Venmo app, pick out your name, send you 10 bucks. There you go. And then you have that in your supply and you can either hang on to that and pay other people with it, or you can put it in your bank account. You greedy turd. No. So I have to say thanks to Patrick for uh, helping me figure out what Venmo is because I downloaded it. And then people that bought bumper stickers or were doing advertising immediately. I had like $30 in my account within the first 30 minutes of being a Venmo user. So that's what Venmo is. And now you can use it to pay for bumper stickers or advertising, anything like that. But you can also still do cash check or the old PayPal, whatever you want to do. But speaking of advertising or sponsorship, we have our first sponsors on episode four. Yes, it's happened. Finally. And I want to say a big thank you to Justin Hobrick and his family for supporting the broadcast by doing some advertising. It's very fun. This is very exciting. I'm so excited. Pam Printers, one of the Hobrick family uh, businesses. I asked Justin, I said, is it Pam or is it P-A-M? He said, it doesn't matter. You can do either one. But he said, he calls it Pam because the delivery van that they use, he calls it Pamela Vanderson. So if you don't want your printed and published goods delivered in something that's referred to as Pamela Vanderson, you're not part of the America that I'm living in. And speaking of American, another one of our sponsors this week, Hobrick Enterprises. They distribute the good stuff. PBR. That's American. And if you don't think so, like I said, you're not living in my America. So again, a big thank you to Justin and his family for supporting the broadcast. You know, I usually I usually drink coffee when I do the show, but I may have to just ask Justin about a supply of PBR. We discussed it yesterday, and I said, is 7 or 8 in the morning too early to be drinking a PBR and doing a podcast? He said, there's nary a better time. And I said, I have to agree. So we'll see about getting some uh, PBR from Hobrick Enterprises while I do the show. Make it a hell of a lot more interesting, I'm sure, depending on how deep I am by the time we start recording on the microphone. Hey, but speaking of beer, Super Bowl is this weekend. Obviously, it's too late now. But if you have another big event coming up like graduation, wedding is going to be popular here very shortly. Uh, Give the folks at Hobrick Enterprises a call. Let them set you up with the beverages for your next big event. And if you got to send out invites for said event, like a graduation or wedding, get in touch with Pam Printers and Publishers. Get those things divvied up for you. These are both local businesses in Quincy. Been in service for many, many years. Family owned, family operated. Check them out. They're great people and they'll get you set up with whatever you need. Now, if you would like to sponsor, you can do so for as little as $10. 10 bucks. 10 bucks gets you one mention per episode. So if you want to do multiples, you just pay 10 bucks for each of them. Or you can blanket cover an entire episode, $25 for an exclusive sponsorship of one episode. It's simple. I've been told it's affordable. I try to make it affordable. And like I said, there are easy ways to pay cash, check, PayPal, and yes, Venmo. Depending on the type of uh, accent you use, that can be a very fun thing to say. Venmo. You're really smooth with it, like Jasmine. Venmo. Not as good if you do like the, you know, the rednecks. Venmo. You gonna use the Venmo? 
Makes it sound like a rusty old car or something. Yeah, the keys. I'm going to go start the Venmo and head into town. This is what happens when I'm left to my own devices and allowed to talk to myself. Anyway, I'd be more than glad to promote what you've got going on, whether it's your business, upcoming event, yard sale, anything like that. If you want me to advertise that you need a prom date or something, I don't care what it is. I'll do it. You pay me, I'll talk about it. Speaking of the prom date thing, though, you know, all these kids are doing these intricate prom proposals. Has one been done on a podcast yet? I'd like to be the first one to do that. So I know all the uh, 16, 17 year old kids that are listening to this show that know about it. I know you're just dying to ask somebody to prom. Let me be the one to help you facilitate that question. I don't get it. I never did that. My, my asking someone to prom was as simple as, would you like to be my date to prom? Now you got these freaking intricate proposals that are sometimes more extravagant than a freaking wedding proposal or engagement proposal, whatever you want to call it. Some of these 16 and 17 year old kids are knocking it out of the park and making a bad name for those of us that have yet to put a ring on it. Beyonce, who is also pregnant with twins as of this week. Who's the OG? Who's the kid that first started the elaborate prom proposal? I got to talk to that kid. Do you have all these crazy things like they're all, you know, they're using like the school's LED sign and things like that. And they're, you know, having paratroopers fly in and sky riders in the sky. I commend them. It is, uh, it's, it's good. But man, how do you, if you're, you know, going to prom like two or three years in a row, how do you top the last one you did? At what point do you give up and you're just like, you want to go to prom with me? I don't have any more in me, man. I can't do, I can't do any more elaborate things. I also want to know how many of these kids are paying for the more extravagant things like out of their own pocket or if they're asking their parents or if they have jobs and they've been saving up specifically for this. Yeah, I'm going to go to college, but, you know, I'm going to ask Brandy to go to prom and that's going to cost me about mm, $300 to get that, you know, going. I'll figure out the tuition thing down the road. I just want to get prom out of the way first. You're killing me, Smalls. So I don't know. I'm not against it at all. Hats off to those that do the intricate prom proposal. I want to be the one to help you. Let me facilitate your prom proposition. Your prom position. There we go. That could be misconstrued, though, too. I don't know, but let's make that happen. Prom season's right around the corner. Let's do it. Let's get, let's get me to help somebody ask somebody else to prom. The gauntlet hath been thrown down. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Moving on, let's talk about something that came totally out of the blue for us this week. Let me preface all of this by saying that I am a habitual real estate browser. I am not exaggerating when I tell you that I probably look at the Realtor.com website five to ten times a day. And that might even be a very light estimation. Might be pretty low. I look at real estate so much, though, that I've considered multiple times getting my real estate license. Not necessarily because I want to sell houses. Yes, it would be fun, but I want to see inside all these extravagant houses around the area. And the income probably isn't terrible either. But yeah, I've considered doing the whole real estate thing. Anyway, I'm always looking, and I have been for several, several years, because I know that I want a house that I can grow into with my family. Currently, and most of you probably know this, we just got our basement finished slash remodeled. And our house isn't very big, but it's a great starter home. So we thought, we'll finish the basement. We'll double our square footage. We've got some place to hang out down here. And we've got a guest bedroom. Because our house, from a technical standpoint, is one bed, one and a half bath. Because you can't count the guest bedroom that we had down here, or that we have down here, because it's not an an egress window. So if there's a fire, you can't crawl out. Tough titty. But I'm willing to take my chances if I can take a nap in a dark room down here. So we got the basement finished. In the event that we decide to put the house on the market, we can probably get a little more out of it, right? Because we've doubled our square footage. We've finished this basement. It looks nice. It's, it's a nice common area. There's a guest bedroom down here. Laundry's down here. Half bath down here. Storage down here. So we're making the most out of our one bedroom, one and a half bath house. And I wouldn't say that we're actively looking. We're, we're, we're always kind of looking, or I'm always kind of looking and, and showing things to Emily that I like that maybe we should go check out. I'd say maybe we look at two or three houses every three to four months. So nothing serious. We're kind of waiting for the right thing to come along because eventually we're going to need a place for crib midgets. In the event our family grows, we decide to bring new human life into the world. We're going to need more than one bedroom and a guest bedroom downstairs only makes sense, right? 
So like I said, we're not actively trying to sell the house. Well, anyway, the strange thing is we get a call from our realtor or not a call. uh, Our realtor sends a message to Emily on Thursday and says, what if I told you that I had a potential buyer that's interested in your house? Well, keep talking. So it turns out there's this lady that is looking to downsize. She's looking to sell her house, looking to move into something that's smaller, like a condo or a, you know, a, a smaller home. So I'm assuming that this lady is older, probably single, and looking for something with little to no maintenance, you know, a small manageable house. Well, that's our house. Like I said, one bedroom, one and a half bath, guest bed downstairs, finished basement. There's really no work to do in this house. So, logically, it could be an ideal fit for her. So the problem is that when we were getting the basement finished, we had to shove pretty much all of our belongings, and by that I I mean most of my belongings, because I'm apparently a pack rat or a hoarder or something. We had to move it all into the storage room, which also doubles as our laundry and half bath. So literally, most of my life is crammed into this room, and we get this call that this lady wants to come look at the house, and they're going to show it at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Okay, why not? We'll give it a whirl. Like I said, we're not actively trying to sell the house. It just so happens our realtor knows somebody that would possibly like to live in our house. And if the offer blows us away, okay, why not? So I go out and buy trash bags and I'm, you know, freaking out because I'm like, this lady's going to open the door and she's going to be like, oh my God, there's so much crap in there. So I told the realtor, I was like, listen, you know, we just got the basement done. We're just now trying to root through things and sort everything out. It's like, it's going to be a mess in there. Just please preface that and please don't judge us. And I'm not saying there's like a fire hazard or anything back there, but yes, there's a lot of stuff in a small amount of space. But I did get a pretty good chunk of that stuff thrown away. My rule was if I haven't used it in the past three years, I don't need it. So yeah, a couple trash bags later, here we stand with a a little bit cleaner storage room in the basement. So here lies the other problem. What if this lady comes in and she looks at the house and she wants to make an offer today? Well, we're essentially homeless. We don't have anywhere to go. So it's going to be, you know, I told the realtor, I was like, this is contingent on, you know, if she blows us away with an offer and offers us way more than we even would ask if we were to put this on the market, you are responsible for finding us a house to live in until we find the house, which we will grow into. So it's a feet to the fire type thing. And, you know, if she offers us something, we don't have to take the offer. You know, our house isn't even on the market. Like I said, it's all contingent on us finding a suitable home to live in. You know, should we, you know, if she comes in and offers us like double what we would ask for the house if we put it on the market, hell yeah, sign us up for that. So I don't know, maybe I'll start like a GoFundMe page or something like that if the house happens to go to the bank today for a purchase. But it's bittersweet, man. It's like our first home together. That's like getting rid of your first bike or your favorite action figure. Or your toys from childhood. I did that recently, too. It's, it's bittersweet. It's weird. So you got that hanging in the balance, kind of. And then you've got me, who is so incredibly picky about what type of house to buy, that it's going to seemingly, you know, if we happen to sell this house, it's going to be impossible for us to find the right house to move into, to buy. And obviously, we don't want to rent forever, either. We've done our fair share of renting throughout the years. You want to do that any longer than you have to. And it's bizarre. So bizarre, man, because everybody that you know, our price range that we're looking for a house, everybody else is too. Because we're what I would say a very middle-class family. So everybody's looking at that same type of price range, right? And it's like anytime we find a house that we'd be interested in, that we'd want to put an offer on, it's already got a freaking offer out on it. Well, son of a bitch, of course it does. Why wouldn't it? So at some point, you just kind of throw in the towel and you're like, well, I guess we'll just buy a mobile home and a plot of land and call it good for a while. Until we're in that higher income bracket. Who knows? It's going to be an interesting weekend anyway, you slice it. Do you ever notice, though, like if you look at the Realtor app like I do, there's, there's always these seemingly fairly well-written descriptions of the home. But if you look at these as much as I do, you start to pick up on things. You start to, you start to pick up on certain verbiage that's used. And you notice all these euphemisms they use for things, right? Like the phrase, very well-maintained. I've come to find... That the phrase very well maintained as it pertains to real estate simply means very clean, but incredibly outdated. Very well maintained means that the siding is clean, the house is clean, but you walk in and the Nixon administration has thrown up all over the walls and the carpet. There's wood paneling, there's shag carpet, there's wallpaper that was placed on the walls with uh, nicotine, likely a grandfather clock, likely one of those console humidifiers. 
and you've got a tapestry of Elvis hanging on the kitchen counter. It's gross. So beware of the phrase very well maintained if you're searching the real estate listings as frequently as I am. Either way, like I said, we could be homeless by the end of this broadcast, so that may put a delay on episode five. I don't know. I'll see what happens. What a time to be alive, folks. What a time to be alive. We're going to take our first break. Coming up, we're going to be talking cartoons, and later on in the show, we're speaking with Spencer Rothbell. He is the voice of Clarence on Cartoon Network. Very excited to talk to him. So stick around. More of the Bocephus broadcast up next. You're listening to the Bocephus broadcast. Pam Printers and Publishers, a full-service print house in Quincy, Illinois. From idea to design to finished product, Pam can bring your projects to life. Newsletters, letterhead, business cards, booklets, and more. A family business for over 75 years, ready to help you with your printing needs. Pam Printers and Publishers, 1012 Vermont Street in Quincy. Call 800-635-0622 or check out sundaymissileservice.com. We now return to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. You know, I mentioned uh, cleaning out the basement so that the lady that's coming to look at the house this weekend is not completely freaked out by the amount of stuff that's hidden back there. Not hidden, just stowed away. I did put some of this stuff on the swap shop last night, and this uh, we got to touch on the swap shop this week. So I don't want to deprive anyone of the weekly swap talk. Really only one thing I, I thought notable to share this week from the swap shop, from the Kirksville area swap shop. lady named Don Welch. That's right, I'm calling you out, Don Welch, for your weird post. Don Welch post in the Kirksville area swap shop this week, February 1st at 10 o'clock at night. So who knows? Maybe she's, maybe she's a few deep by this point. Don is in search of male strippers for a birthday party. Cheap, and you must send a picture. She says, ISO male striper. Forgot the P in that one. And she posts this picture of, you know, these hunky firefighter dudes holding puppies. Because why wouldn't you? So I just say the swap shop this week, the winner of the swap shop this week guy by the name of Charles Skyme or Skim, S-K-Y-M. He's this gnarly looking bearded dude, like the Kenny Powers sunglasses on. Huge beard. Pretty sure he's got a mop head for a head of hair. Anyway, old Chuck posts, I'm a bit wooly and fat, but I will strip naked in front of a room full of chicks. Nice job, Chuck. You're the hero of the swap shop this week. Good job. I tried to find the original post because I wanted to post something of myself as well or post a picture of somebody completely homely looking and offer up my services. Not me, myself, actually. Nobody needs to see me naked. I barely need to see myself naked, let alone a room full of birthday chicks. So that's the winner of the swap shop this week. Charles Skyme or Skim. That's your swap shop post of the week. If you've got others, feel free to uh, post them on the Bocephus Broadcast Facebook page, facebook.com slash Broadcast. Or you can email those to me at bobecraft at gmail.com. Hit me with your best swaps. All right, I mentioned we are going to be talking cartoons today. And later on in the broadcast, we're going to be talking to the voice of Clarence on the show Clarence, which airs on Cartoon Network. Spencer Rothbell going to be joining us later on in the program. Very excited to have him on and looking forward to talking to him. With that in mind, I posed the question to you earlier this week. What were some of your favorite cartoons growing up or currently for that matter? And a lot of these were a huge blast from the past. Growing up, I was I was a big Nicktoons kid because that was like the heyday of Nickelodeon was when I was a kid. We had shows like Rugrats. We had Ren and Stimpy, Cat Dog, Angry Beavers, all kinds of great cartoons when I was a kid. So I asked what some of yours were. Uh, the show Home Movies was mentioned. Dr. Cats, which I believe was on Comedy Central. It was, it was hard to watch because the animation looked like it was made by somebody with very shaky hands. Space Ghost, like I said, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy. I want to take a minute to talk about Ren and Stimpy because Ren and Stimpy had a Christmas album that they put out. It's called Ren and Stimpy's Croco Christmas. And I kid you not, this is my favorite Christmas album. Hands down, favorite Christmas album. You can take your Michael Buble and your Harry Connick Juniors and all that stuff. You throw them away, throw them in the trash. You get Ren and Stimpy's Croco Christmas and you tell me that that doesn't put you in the holiday spirit. Because you got great classics like Fleck the Walls with Stinky Diapers and Yak Yak Shaving Day and We're Going Shopping for Christmas. You round up your Anne Murray, you round up your Mariah Carey, your Vanessa Williams, throw them in the garbage, get Ren and Stimpy's Crock of Christmas and listen to it every holiday. And everyone and all your days will be merry and bright. I promise you that. 
Looking back now at the age of 28, though, watching Ren and Stimpy, there were some gross, disgusting-looking close-ups in that show. It was kind of strange that my parents would let me watch that as a child. Maybe they didn't pick up on it. I don't know. Too busy watching the new Yankee workshop with Norm Abram on PBS. And home time. Here's one I specifically recall watching every day after school while eating Chips Ahoy and drinking milk. Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies. You know the song. Don't act like you don't. Somebody said now their uh, favorite series, Teen Titans Go. Back in the day, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and uh, Batman the Animated Series, which I believe is on Netflix because I've sat down and, and watched some of those. Huge blast from the past. Pinky and the Brain, that was big. Animaniacs. Kablam was one of my favorites with Henry and June. And then you had, of course, tucked away in that, uh, the Prometheus and Bob tapes. And one of my favorite ones, which was more of kind of a live action. It was kind of like stop motion, I think. Action League Now. Stinky Diver. The Flesh. When you think about it, cartoons back then kind of pushed the envelope for kids. And I think that still kind of rings true in the present day. I think, yes, they're geared toward children, but there's some content in there that's that's for the adults, like a wink, wink, nod, nod. There's something for the elderly in there. By elderly, I mean those of us in our 20s, 30s, that kind of thing. Who can forget Doug? Doug Funny, Sister Judy, Skeeter Valentine, Mr. Dink. Of course, Quail Man birthed from that. Superhero with a belt for a piece of headgear. Basically, what I gathered from you all when asking you this was that Nickelodeon had kind of like the the quintessential cartoon lineup back in the 90s. And someone also brought up ABC's One Saturday Morning, which I was never really a fan of, especially when they switched Doug over to One Saturday Morning. Things got weird with it. I don't know. Something wasn't right when Doug made the move to ABC or Disney or whatever you want to call it. Didn't Didn't they change the name of that, too, I think? Like the new Doug or something like the new Adventures of Doug. I don't remember what it was, but I, I just remember when Doug switched from Nickelodeon to one Saturday morning, something was amiss. Something wasn't right anymore. And then, of course, Rocket Power. I got a lot of friends that are into Rocket Power. I don't think I ever really watched that show. And if I did, I, I wasn't really into it. And then I remember like towards the late 90s that cartoons kind of shifted from more of a kid's thing and it became kind of an adult thing. Because you had shows like Family Guy rolling out. You had King of the Hill rolling out. South Park became huge. I remember I was never able to watch that. One of the ones I couldn't watch when I was a kid, though, was Beavis and Butthead, which by today's standards is pretty tame. And we never got MTV growing up because we had like the basic cable thing. So MTV was not accessible to us. But I do remember staying at a hotel one night. Myself, my sister, my parents. I don't remember what we were doing, why we were in a hotel. But I remember Beavis and Butthead was on MTV and I was like, we're going to watch this. I'm going to I'm going to sneak this on the TV and we're going to watch it. And I was all maybe eight or nine years old. So we're watching this episode of Beavis and Butthead in which they take a chainsaw and they're trying to saw the udders off of a cow, I think, to get milk. And I remember this show was strictly prohibited for me as a child, not allowed to watch it. But for some reason, my parents were letting us at this particular point in time. And I remember during this particular episode when they're trying to saw the udders off of a cow with a chainsaw, my dad is hiding his face, trying not to laugh. And he's he's like giggling. He's snickering because he knows this is funny, but he knows I should not be letting my child watch this. My eight or nine year old child watch this. So he's laughing and I'm laughing because he knows that I think this is funny. And he's trying to, you know, he's trying to be stern dad. Like you're not supposed to, we shouldn't be watching this. I'm pretty sure the phrase turn the channel was uttered a few times, but I think I persisted and eventually got my way and got to finish the episode. But speaking of Beavis and Butthead, I mentioned King of the Hill. There's a few things that Mike Judge has his hand in that aren't tremendous, whether it's a cartoon, whether it's a live action film, whether it's a series. Idiocracy, obviously one of those live action things that became huge and became quite a mirror of what society is today. The movie Extract, another favorite of mine. My point being, there are very few things that Mike Judge is involved with that aren't pure gold. Oh, also Office Space. Timeless. Classic. But bringing it back around to cartoons, King of the Hill quickly became one of my favorite shows. And there was a point in my life, my earlier 20s, where uh, it finally came to Adult Swim. And I fell asleep to King of the Hill every night. I could not fall asleep unless King of the Hill was on. But when the Adult Swim lineup changes, you have to make do. The great thing about King of the Hill was that 
it kind of catered to both audiences. Yes, it was a cartoon, but yes, it was also geared more towards adults. But it wasn't anything really risky or body. It was more a study of everyday human life. I always equated King of the Hill to Mike Judge's version of Aesop's Fables because you had a great storyline throughout the entire show. And at the end of it, you learned something. There was a lesson to be learned at the end of every episode of King of the Hill. And you felt better about life after you watched it. You're like, you know what? Things are going to be okay. Thanks to Bobby Hill. Again, a testament to the greatness that is Mike Judge and the, the people that he chooses to do business with. Because I can always watch an episode of King of the Hill time and time again without it getting old. But later on the show, we're going to be talking to the voice of Clarence, Spencer Rothbell. Clarence airs on Cartoon Network. And I happen to stumble upon this show by accident. Like I said, I don't get to watch a lot of cartoons during the day. But there was a random weekday that I had off and I went home. And I was hanging out with my nephew, who I believe was mm, probably four at the time. And we flip it on Cartoon Network because obviously he can't watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with me. So like I said, we flip it over to Cartoon Network and the show comes on called Clarence. Like, I've never heard of this before. Let's watch this, buddy. So we start watching it and I start laughing at stuff. So my nephew starts laughing too. And before you know it, we're full teeth sunk into this show. And luckily for us, there's a marathon on. So we watch the show. And it ends up being, you know, it gives me that same feeling that King of the Hill gives me because you feel better about life when you're watching it because the main character, Clarence, is just this happy-go-lucky little kid, a, a very portly adolescent, and the tales of the adventures that he gets into with his best friends. So like I said, I'm laughing, my nephew's laughing, we're having a great time. So it's, it's very exciting to have the voice of Clarence, Spencer Rothbell, who joins us in just a minute after we take another quick break right here on the Bocephus Broadcast. More coming at you. Stick around. The Mosephus Broadcast. You know, when I'm in need of the best cold brew in the area, I trust Hobbrick Enterprises Incorporated. They're your distributor of great beverages in the tri-state area. Coors Light, Blue Moon, Pabst Blue Ribbon, and more. And don't forget the ever-important high-quality H2O. That's right. Hobbrick Enterprises also carries Mountain Valley spring water. If the need for beer arises, go see the folks at Hobbrick Enterprises. 1901 Seminary Road in Quincy. Call 217-223-1183. If the need for beer arises, go see the folks at Hobbrick Enterprises. We now return to the Bocephus broadcast. We can make a tunnel to the cafeteria and be first in line for pizza day. Yeah! Look, I'm expecting. Our guest today, the voice of Clarence Wendell on the Cartoon Network series Clarence, which just, I believe, wrapped up its second season. He's a little under the weather today, so I'm grateful that he's he's still joining us. But uh, either way, I'm pleased to welcome to the show Mr. Spencer Rothbell. Good morning, sir, or good afternoon, whatever time it is out there on the <laughs> West Coast. Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to, happy to be here. Thank you so much. We're glad to have you here. You just, am I right? You did just finish the second season of the show, correct? Yeah, so the second season, the last uh, finale episode, Pizza Hero, just aired on Friday. And then this upcoming Friday is the kickoff of season three, February 10th at 6.30. So there's going to be two new Clarence episodes back to back. So they're going right from two to three. (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. I was going to ask you, like, had you already started working on it or, you know, if you had some time off. So how does that work then? How do you how do you already have season three in the bag? Uh. Well, it's not quite finished. We're still working on the tail end of it, uh, but it's a lot of episodes and uh, animation is very slow. (laughs) So there'll be times I've told people where I'll be writing an episode and it won't air for a year later. Uh, So it's very slow process, Uh, not like South Park that does it in a week, but we're we have a work with the studio overseas that animates it and it's it's still all hand drawn animation. So it's. Very, very labor intensive and uh, a slow process, but a very rewarding one when it's done for sure. <laughs> yeah. Does that, I mean, does that, you mentioned South Park, does that put anyone in that industry kind of under the gun to be that quick with their turnaround time or is it just kind of, you know, personal preference? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure it depends on the production. Uh, there's some shows that are produced in house and they'll, they'll use After Effects or Flash. I mean, I know a lot of shows for adults swim work like that, like, um, Aqua Teen Hunger Force, that type of thing. I think it just depends on what we're, go- we're going for. 
I'm very grateful to work on a show that still utilizes traditional animation like Clarence does and a lot of other Cartoon Network shows. So yeah, it just it just depends. Uh, I don't think anyone's as crazy as uh, the South Park guys, though. I think they <laughs> I think they take the cake on that. <laughs> they kind of have their work cut out for them, I would say, every week. So they're they're earning their paycheck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Huge. I'm a huge fan of theirs. So <laughs> you mentioned that you you started off, or, or that you talked about writing. I guess you started off as a writer on the show, and then like midway through, I think the first season, you you took over the the voice role for Clarence. Are, do you still write for the show, or do you do you pitch ideas? Or yeah. So I I work as the uh, story editor on the show, like the head of story. So I oversee writing on the show. So I uh, still do a lot of writing and, and also editing. So I work with two other writers and our showrunner Stephen Neary, and we'll sit down and we'll pitch like story premises. And then we kind of figure out which ones would maybe fit within the context of the season or, you know, sometimes it'll be like, oh, that's a little too similar to something we've done or we're not that story isn't quite fully realized yet. But let's save that for later. Maybe we'll develop it more. Um, And so then we pick pick whatever episodes we're going to write. And then we kind of brainstorm the story beats and jokes and all that kind of thing. Uh, and then the individual writers will go off and write an episode, and then we'll come back, and then we all go over it and give notes again. And it's 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 a fun process. It's really collaborative, and it's really it's really fun to be in the room and just making each other laugh and coming up with our weird <laughs> our weird ideas for the show. <laughs> so, I mean, where do you where do you get ideas, or where do the other writers get ideas? Um, it really depends. I mean. For season three, it's a little different because there's um, there's an ongoing story with Sumo, which is something we haven't done before. Uh, I hesitate to call it a proper story arc because it's really just over the span of like five or six episodes, uh, but still a new front for us. But anyway, we, we, we managed to get to a point in the show where we've done enough episodes that we're getting into a little bit more of world building and exploring side characters. Some of them get their own episodes in the season, that type of thing. Um, whereas I would say like season one, a lot of the ideas were really simple, just kind of like, all right, what is something that happened to you in your childhood or something that is a key element of being a kid that you haven't really seen represented on TV or maybe you have, but you haven't really seen the, real version of that or whatever, you know, so mm-hmm. we had episodes about Clarence going to the supermarket with his mom and that type of thing. Just just sort of typical childhood experiences that we might lend sort of a unique version of to Clarence and exaggerate for comedic effect. Well, the cool thing about season three is we've done so many episodes now that sometimes it'll come out of that, but then sometimes it'll be like, all right, well, what about this character? We haven't really seen them with Clarence before. What would an episode if we paired the two of them together be like? Or, you know, what, what's Sumo's home life like? Let's do an episode about that. Or, um, you know, what is, what does Belson really want? Or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so that's, that's the kind of exciting thing about building a world of a show like this is that you can really go in so many directions, but yeah, inspiration. I mean, sometimes it'll be like, uh, you know, something that we're a fan of, like, I, I really love, like, thrillers, let's make an episode that's like a thriller, or I want to do like a Law and Order parody, which we have, <laughs> we have a, a couple of those right. <laughs> in the series by now, and uh, things like that, where it's, it's more like, just trying to do our own spin on a, a genre. Um, and then other times, it'll be as simple as like, you know, I, every year for christmas my family did this thing let's try to do a version of that for the show or you know isn't wasn't this always kind of awkward as a kid like would be funny to see our own characters experiencing our own awkward situation or whatever (laughs) whatever the case may be um but yeah it's it's really collaborative and and sometimes we'll take two of those kind of inspirations and combine them where it's like a very grounded real world thing mixed with just something that we think would be fun with our characters. Yeah, you mentioned um, you mentioned kind of like drawing inspiration from like your childhoods. You're, you're what, 27, 28? Uh, yeah, 27. So, I mean, is it hard... Is it hard to kind of put yourself in the mindset or the, you know, the landscape of a kid again? Is that difficult for you or any of the other writers? Um, I mean, <laughs> anyone that works in animation, I think, is a little bit uh, still like a kid, but um, <laughs> I... I think that a lot of the humor in Clarence comes from sort of reevaluating the kid perspective now that we're all a little older and seeing mm-hmm. what's kind of kind of funny about things that are so important to you as a kid and uh 
paying tribute to that and, and saying, yeah, that's valid, but then also saying, like, oh, that's kind of funny as an adult to, you know, for example, there's an episode of Lil Buddy where the whole drama comes from Clarence is accidentally, uh, he's put in timeout and then he, he's forgotten and then he misses the entirety of a recess where, like, as an adult, you'd be like, oh, well, what's the big deal? You'll just go to recess tomorrow. But right. in his, his mind, it's such a huge world shaking thing. Uh, so I think, I think there's, there's kind of both in the show where it's like, sometimes we, we say, Oh, that's funny. And then other times it's like, yeah, that is, that is kind of important as to a kid. And maybe, maybe we should listen to kids more, you know? So it depends on, <laughs> depends on the episode. <laughs> I think we talked about age and everything. Like my friend, my friend, Daniel, who was my roommate at the time, we used to watch Clarence together you know, it was like a, a tradition. So is it, I mean, would you say that the show, obviously it's a cartoon, so it's kind of geared towards kids, but mm-hmm. do you find that there's like a mix of kids and adults both that are fans of the show? Yeah. I mean, certainly within the animation community, a lot of, a lot of people that I know like the show. Um, and then a lot of fans that reach out to me will be people that have kids and they watch it with their kids and they're like, yeah, I love it too. You know, like I'm just as big a fan as my six-year-old which is really cool which is like the biggest compliment because those are all the the best kid shows or things that you don't want to change the channel (laughs) when they come on you know uh but yeah i mean i i definitely you know we of course we keep kids in mind uh when we're making the show but i would never say that we're like pandering or trying to cater to any one audience or anything like that i mean the funniest things in the show to me are just things that we all think are funny. I mean, we're not really thinking like, Oh, this is funny for a kid. It's just, this Mm -hmm. is funny to us, you know? Um, it's, it's always uh, funny to me to, to hear other people's perspectives of the show. Like sometimes people will be like, Oh, it's just so sweet and innocent. And then other people are like, Oh, it's so bizarre and crazy. (laughs) It's just funny to, to hear how other people see it because to us, it's just like, yeah, we're just making our own little weird thing. And, if people like it, great. If they don't, whatever, you know, it's, it's kind of like putting, I always say it's like putting a message in a bottle and you just send it out to the world and you're like, well, let's make another one. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It's, it's, that's the weird thing about TV. It's especially on our show. It's such a slow process from start to finish for one episode. And, and, uh, it's always nice to hear some positive feedback for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, you know, since parents are watching with their kids, I've kind of noticed, and I mentioned this earlier in the show that, there seems to be like with cartoons these days there's there's like subtle nods to adulthood like adult centric jokes like do you put those in there or like how far do you go with that yeah i mean we we don't you know like we're never setting out to make anything that's like intentionally kind of ruffle feathers or offend sure, anyone or sure. anything like that um but uh yeah i mean we're we're all adults and so naturally there's going to be some things that we find funny that, that are outside of the realm of childhood, but hopefully kids can appreciate the show uh, on a different level and, and so can adults. But yeah, especially in, in season three, there's uh, a lot more adult characters, which get some more of their own plots like uh, Clarence's mom, Mary and Chad and uh, his teacher and, Ms. Baker and uh, Mr. Reese, the disciplinarian at the school, like they all kind of get their own focus. Miss Shoop has her own episode too, uh, who's the the woman that that gave him detention and little buddy, mm-hmm. um, or that gave him time out rather. Uh, so so we have delved into that world, but it's it's still a show about childhood and kids, and so we try to keep the focus on Clarence and Jeff and Sumo as much as we can because uh, they're the real real glue of the show <laughs> but uh but yeah you know i mean we can't help but try to slip slip in little references to things we sure. like i mean we've we've gotten away with some crazy stuff on the show that i don't even know if if people still know that we put some some of the stuff in there but you know like there's the whole uh what's the episode average jeff where jeff realizes that he might not be as a plus of a student as he thought he was and <laughs> he has sort of a childhood crisis over it and uh we we put a whole sequence from um american psycho in the beginning of that so that's that's probably <laughs> i mean i feel like it's as long as we don't do anything that's blatantly graphic or inappropriate we can still like lend homage to like camera shots and <laughs> things like that that are like right you know it's a inno- they're innocuous out of context you know but uh, <laughs> but um yeah it's 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 fun to do that kind of stuff i mean we're all huge fans of film and, and other television shows and I'm, I'm such a like pop culture sponge that it's hard not to have some of that stuff come out in whatever i make <laughs> sure 
Sure. You, uh, you, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. You, you stepped into the role of voicing Clarence. Was that difficult to step into that role that had already been created? Yeah. I mean, well, what happened with that is the original voice actor, uh, was off the show and then we were auditioning people and we auditioned like over a hundred actors and these were professional voice actors, um, people that are really talented and have been working in the business for a lot longer than I have. But at that point I had been filling in, they call it like scratch audio, the temporary audio tracks, Mm -hmm. um, in some of the animatics, which is like before it gets animated, it's kind of like a timed out storyboard with audio. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was doing a lot of the temporary audio for Clarence in those and even in the writer's room, I would pitch and still do all the characters' voices, like even Jeff and Sumo and everyone else, which is <laughs> basically just me doing an impression of the other actors. Um, yeah. But so, so I, I think that I, I was just the closest to the personality of the character, which was really important to all of us, um, just because a lot of the the dialogue will will do a few passes that are scripted and then we'll do an ad lib pass and so we really wanted someone who was comfortable kind of knowing the character and so eventually they asked me to audition and i did um and i ended up getting the part but i i I have a little bit of background with like i did uh, second city improv comedy in chicago and so it's not totally out of nowhere but it was it's definitely a challenge and i'm really grateful for everyone being patient with me especially working alongside people like tom kenny who's just so good at it and um with our our director voice director christy reed and all these people are very patient with me when I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how do I do this? But I, I don't know. I think, I think it was, it's, it's really fun. I mean, I love doing it and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to do it, but it was a learning curve for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, I think it's a huge compliment that, you know, everything that I had seen online said, you know, I can't tell the difference between the two voices and you can't. So, I mean, obviously you're, you're good at impersonations. Like, do you, do you have any other impersonations that you'd consider like your signatures or do you, you know, do impressions, things like that? Um, oh man. Yeah. I wish, I wish I had like an SNL portfolio of them or something like that, but I really don't. Yeah, no, I mean, I I put out a a voice reel recently, but it's just all Clarence characters that I've done. Like I, uh, I did the voice of balance. I don't know if you know that character, but it's, there's this one really bizarre episode where like a tiny Clarence shows up with a hook hand and he has kind of a (laughs) sort of a gruff voice like this sort of thing but i, I do i do remember yeah. that episode so now, I yeah. Did, yeah so i did that that character and i do uh i do camden who has the baggy cheeks and he talks like this kind of like moody bear <laughs> and a little bit like droopy dog and then i put in a, a mr bird sound like Bleh. <laughs> you know from the simpsons mr burns yeah. right. i always love when he tries to throw a, a, a very light object as if it's very heavy <laughs> so it's just just totally like a feather unabashed unabashedly stole that sound for camden <laughs> <laughs> but uh so yeah i do a few and then i do uh, mavis who is the bizarre red-headed girl that brady the Charlie Brown kid has a crush on who just grunts and goes, <laughs> she's sort of like our roots from, uh, you know, guardians from guardians or yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Chewbacca or something. But, uh, yeah, I always say we, we want to treat her like everyone on the show understands what she's saying. Same with Gilbin. Gilbin is the kid who's like perpetually silent, uh, right. and staring ahead. So it's like, it's not that like no one in in the world of the show realizes anything is off about them. It's just you know they, we treat them like they can talk, just like just like Chewbacca or something, you know. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. I mean, I I'll do impressions of things like when I was a kid, I would always do impressions of. Uh, like announcer voices and you know mm-hmm. Warner Brothers is proud to present the story like that kind of stuff like <laughs> I always I was always fascinated by just cheesy fake TV voices and you know yeah. like Billy Billy Mays here I can't do it but Billy Mays voice yeah. <laughs> too and my cold is is setting in but <laughs> but I would I can do a good Billy Mays but uh, <laughs> but yeah may he uh, rest in peace yeah I know typically I can but today I'm a little under the weather but uh, yeah so I 
I, I don't know. I mean, I, it's always funny to to be in the booth, and then there'll be some random side character, and they're like, "Hey, can you do this this kind of voice?" And I'm like, "Oh, I'll try." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's it's a it's a fun learning experience. <laughs> I want to ask you this: like, Clarence speaks like he's got you know puddles of drool constantly in his cheeks. So, like, it, <laughs> when you're in your booth, like, is it at the end of a session? Is it covered in just like spit everywhere? Do you, oh, no. Does the janitor oh, hate you? I think that would be real unpleasant for the other actors. Uh, we, we uh, as much as we can, we like to do records, uh, group records, where we have as many of the actors in the episode together as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, we all kind of do a little bit of improvisation, and it's it's just nice to work off each other's energies, going back and forth, um, whatever the take we're doing. But no, no, I don't. I just uh, just kind of simulate it and put the put my tongue up to the roof of my mouth a little bit and then that's pretty much it sometimes he gets a little bit up high and then other times he's kind of bored here a little bit but yeah that's <laughs> i don't spit everywhere like fortunately for everyone <laughs> it's all that classical training right yeah exactly <laughs> i wish i need some probably need a few more lessons but <laughs> that's all right it goes a long way it's gotten you where you are now <laughs> so there's uh, there's like a certain I was talking earlier in the show about things like King of the Hill and 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 shows like that where I always like when I watched them I, I felt better after the end of the episode and I, I uh, equated Mike Judge and King of the Hill was like you know Mike Judge's Aesop's fables because you learn something at the end of every episode mm. and and you get that kind of feeling when you watch Clarence too so you know it kind of erases the negativity in the world for a while when you're <laughs> kind of consumed in that universe you know so i mean do you agree with that and and how do you think the show elicits that kind of response from the viewer yeah i mean i love i love king of the hill and i love mike judge Uh, i think that's such an underrated show for how Mm -hmm. hilariously funny it is and just the subtlety of that show is is great um but uh yeah I, i don't think we ever really set out to you know we'll be writing an episode and we're not we're not starting with any kind of moral or, you know, we, we never want to do anything that feels too preachy or heavy handed, especially with a kid's show. I think encouraging kids to make up their own mind about things is really Mm -hmm. important. Um, so we'll just, you know, inevitably there'll be some kind of idea that comes through. We'll start writing and we'll say, Hey, what are, what are we really saying with this? Like, what should we be, what should the end, a lot of the end times, the end of the episode kind of determines what the takeaway is. And we'll be like, well, you know, like I never want to do that kind of, I learned something today. It feels, feels a little like (laughs) after school specialty or something, but, but, uh, yeah, we, we always try to walk the line of like making it feel entertaining and grounded. And then hopefully there's some sort of substance behind it too. So it's not just totally crazy fun time, which sometimes it is, but, um, (laughs) but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, like usually it'll, we try to weave those ideas in really subtly. I mean, there's definitely like some themes throughout the show that relate to different family types and, Mm -hmm. you know, Clarence, Clarence has friends with different families and, that's okay. You know, Sumo lives in a trailer with a lot of siblings and Belson is really wealthy <laughs> and Clarence has a single mom and all. And we're just trying to say like, you know, that's, that's fine. You can have a different kind of family and that's yeah. okay. You know? And so we're, we never have an episode where a character would say that with dialogue, but just, it's by just sh- understood. Yeah. Just by showing it and, and treating, treating these characters sort of the same. I think that's kind of hopefully driving the point home in a more subtle way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on the episode. It, it really does. But I, we try not to, to draw too many hard conclusions because a lot of times things in life are, are open-ended and it's important for kids to learn how to make up their own mind about things, you know? Yeah. I like that a lot. Now you mentioned kind of, kind of keeping the episodes lighthearted. There is a recent episode that features a farting cactus. Oh, like oh I said, yes. Pretty, is that pretty par for the course as far as like pitching ideas goes, like a, oh, a daily man. day in the writer's room? That episode 
uh, <laughs> that episode, believe it or not, got a lot of notes. Uh, Cartoon Network does not want to be the Fart Network, which I completely understand. I we try to stray away from anything too lowbrow, but we definitely uh, have a few fart jokes in the show. That, I mean, that one really is about censorship. Uh, the episode is Clarence makes a comic for his school newspaper. Uh, which all the kids love, and it becomes mm-hmm. a huge success. And then one of the faculty members, Miss Shoop, uh, ends up forcing the comic to get censored in the newspaper, school newspaper, and then they all protest the censorship. So, so we we just thought it. I mean, I just thought it'd be funny to do an episode about something that I am really passionate about, which is censorship. But then make the thing that is being censored the stupidest thing in the world, which is just <laughs> it's literally a comic strip where it's three panels of the same cactus, and the last one it farts. That's all it is uh so the the idea of fighting really hard for something that is really dumb is is i'm sure anyone who has written for something comedic will understand that like being very passionate about this really dumb idea and really wanting it to succeed and make it to air and so yeah that episode was originally called fart cactus and then we we had to change the name to freedom cactus which was a nod to freedom fries i don't know if anyone will even remember that but oh, yeah. <laughs> French of fries, freedom fries yeah <laughs> that really stuck too yeah <laughs> but uh but yeah so so yeah of course to me, a fart cactus isn't that funny, but the idea that that kids would be protesting to get a fart cactus in a newspaper is funny. So that's that's hopefully that that level of the humor hits. <laughs> you know that there are kids out there that were that were just you know adoring uh, the thought, the notion of a cactus farting. So I, I think which you is probably, fine, which is yeah. you know, and it is funny. I mean, I still think fart jokes are funny like that's the that's the best part about you know making this stuff is like i can just be like yeah that is funny you know and kids kids, go up to any baby and make a fart noise the baby will laugh because it's funny (laughs) you know like we we just know from birth that that's a funny thing but yeah i just don't want people to think that's all that clarence is it's just fart jokes or something you know (laughs) i think you're good i think you're good so i mean you're you're still a relatively young guy are there a lot of guys your guys and gals your age that are writers for cartoons and i mean did you ever think that you'd end up working at cartoon network yeah i mean i i didn't know where i was going to end up i i went to school for experimental animation at cal arts um mm-hmm. so i did have an animation background and i was always a huge fan of cartoon network growing up and uh you know i i even in college i would watch adventure time and so i i am super happy to be there uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of young people that work in animation. Um, it's it's a real, it's it, I mean the the crew kind of runs the gamut of age. Like we have a a lot of different generations of people, which is you know really uh, special for me to be able to work with people who you know develop things that I worked that I watched as a kid and I grew up yeah. on, and be able to learn from those people that have so much experience is you know, such a cool thing. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, our, our, my generation, our generation has a certain sensibility and sense of humor. And, you know, I think that we're influenced by things that are a little different. Like I love Tim and Eric and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a bit of that in Clarence. And then also some of the older, more grounded cartoons, like Doug and Hey Arnold and Rugrats and that kind of thing and King of the Hill, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think all of those kind of could be influences on Clarence as well. And that's that's the cool thing about working on a show like this. It's very collaborative and everyone kind of brings their own take to the show, which is great. Did you ever meet anybody like meandering through the halls like the first week that you were just starstruck by or like you couldn't believe you were standing in front of? <laughs> uh, hmm. I, well, I remember one one time uh, I was walking and I saw someone who I thought I knew, and I said hello, and and then he went, oh hello, and it was Jack McBrayer from uh, Thirty oh. Rock, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know you. You're just a famous person from TV. Uh, anyway, <laughs> see you later. But uh, I mean, voice acting on Clarence, I got to. We did an episode with Cloris Leachman, which was amazing, and uh, John Waters, and he plays an airline pilot in one episode. And so, doing Clarence, we, I've gotten to work with a lot of, uh, especially comedians that I like. Um, mm-hmm. And season three has a few 
uh, guests, has a lot of guests, uh, guest voices. Tim Heidecker does a voice, uh, Lauren Lapkus, Greg Turkington, who's uh, Neil Hamburger. There's like a re- there's a really funny episode coming out with Brent Weinbach, who's a stand-up comedian that I like, uh, called Rat Tail. Uh, Kate Berlant returns as Miss Julep, and lots of other characters from previous seasons come back in some unexpected ways. I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's some <laughs> some peop- some characters that you might not think would come back that do some curveballs. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, that character from season one. I forgot about them. They're back in season three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I would say it's it's different, and it definitely rewards watching in order this season because, especially with the sumo stuff, uh, there's some ongoing developing storyline stuff that uh, that unfolds in a hopefully fun way. There's also a possible multi-part story in the season. I can't say a whole lot about it yet, but at some point in the season, there is a multi-part story as well, unrelated to the sumo stuff. A few other little experiments, we, an improvised episode, a found footage episode. We did some kind of weird stuff, so hopefully people get a <laughs> kick out of it. <laughs> you mentioned like the multi-story thing. Do you think it'll ever reach the point where you get to like the feature-length movie thing? Uh, you know, I, you know, I never know. Um, this thing is, is, is might be the closest we'll get, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I never say never. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. but, uh, this, yeah, this, this thing in this season felt like we were making a little mini movie. So hopefully people like it. I, I don't want to spoil it too, too far ahead in advance because I don't know exactly what form it's going to take, but, but, uh, yeah, well, just stay tuned. Season three, there's some fun stuff coming up. <laughs> All right. So season three airs when? Uh, this Friday, so there's two episodes back to back. It's Sumo Goes West, an episode that was released a little early on on digital format on demand. Mm-hmm. But this is the first it's airing on TV. So Friday, February 10th, 6:30. Uh, Sumo Goes West, and then also Valentine's, which is our Valentine's Day special, uh, which is about Clarence and Sumo trying to set up two teachers on a date for Valentine's Day. So those are the two two back to back episodes. This Friday, coming up. <laughs> All right, so if folks uh, want to follow you, how can they do that? Uh, you can go to srothbell.com. That's my website, R-O-T-H-B-E-L-L, like a bell, ding dong. And then uh, <laughs> uh, I'm also at srothbell on Twitter. Those are probably the two best ways. <laughs> All right. Like I said, I know you're, you're feeling less than 100%, so I want to thank you again for taking some time with me this afternoon to, to chat. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again here maybe when Season 3 wraps up. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Spencer Rothbell from Clarence on Cartoon Network, everybody. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You're listening to the Bo Cephas Broadcast. Looking for the name of the gentleman that choked on a pork skewer at the local Chinese buffet? Wondering what caused today's domestic dispute outside the library? Looking to tell the world you just drove by the scene of an accident 20 minutes before it happened? Or maybe you're looking to tell complete strangers that you live two houses to the left of the home that just got robbed and that you need to start locking your doors? Then take a look at the West Central Illinois Scanner Radio Facebook page. It's the place for you and your source for the latest breaking news regarding emergency medical services and local law enforcement happenings. Engage with the social media public through portal constructed political arguments put a name and face to your nosy nature and let this town know just how shitty it's gotten through a series of unfounded and irrelevant rants the west central illinois scanner radio facebook page give us a like then send your thoughts and prayers facebook.com slash wcil scanner we now return to the bo cephas broadcast All right, there you have it. That is uh, episode four. It is in the books. Another one down. As I record this, I am full of appetizers that uh, we had to prepare for the Super Bowl that I am not watching currently. It's it's currently, as this is being recorded, uh, Lady Gaga is entertaining the uh, folks at the Super Bowl and those watching the Super Bowl at home. And I am not one of them. And I am not upset about it. So like I said, that is it. Episode four in the books. Want to say another big thanks going out to our sponsors this week, Pam Printers and Publishers and Hawbrick Enterprises Incorporated. means a lot to have them on board. And you too can be a sponsor of the program for starting as low as $10. To learn more about how you can do so, send a message to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Broadcast, or you can email me 
at bobecraft at gmail.com. Of course, another big thank you to our guest this week, Spencer Rothbell. Really enjoyed that chat. I feel I feel like Spencer's a cool guy, and um, hopefully we'll be talking with him down the road again. You can catch Spencer as the voice of Clarence on the season three premiere of Clarence this Friday, February 10th on Cartoon Network. Also, don't forget bumper stickers still available for sale. $10 a piece. Get you one of these 3x11 adhesive mofos. Cash, check, PayPal, and yes, Venmo available uh, for you to pay for those. They'll ship anywhere in the United States as well for those of you listening out of the immediate area. Next week, we're going to be talking about Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's creeping up. So I want to invite anybody with some uh, good Valentine's stories to join me for next week's show. If you're interested, send me your story. Facebook.com slash Broadcast and BoBeecraft at gmail.com. All right, I'm going to go wait for that uh, Stranger Things Season 2 trailer to come on during the Super Bowl. That's the only thing I'm watching for tonight. So with that being said, Episode 4 is done. We'll see you next week for Episode 5 right back here on the Bocephus Broadcast. Catch you then. You've been listening to the Bocephus Broadcast. Get the latest episodes and more on demand at bocephusbroadcast.podbeat.com. Bocephus.